Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO, a loose discussion of travel, adventure, diving, driving, gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 268 and it's proudly brought to you by our ever-growing TGN supporter crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support and if you'd like to support the show, please visit thegreynado.com for more details. My name is Jason Heaton and I'm joined as ever by my friend and co-host up in Canada, James Stacy. James, how's it going? Uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> we're doing a, a, this is actually a triple record week because we did the episode <laughs> with Blake. We did a Q&A, which is now up if you're on the subscriber side that's in your feed. And then this one, which is going to cover us for next week, and I'm, I'm off. Yeah. I'll be honest, man, I slept in today. It's a, <laughs> it's a Friday uh, when we're recording this, which is not usual, but uh, definitely fun. We should bring probably a slightly different energy than our normal Tuesday recordings. Yeah. They launched a, a recent update to Call of Duty Mobile, which I'm still playing a ton. Yeah, and uh, and it included a gun that I really wanted to get and and play with. So I played a lot of Call of Duty last night um, <laughs> after like after work and the rest. Yeah. Oh, I, and then I found out that uh, do you know the the comedy show? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, it turns out they have all of it on Disney Plus, so I was like <laughs> catching up on the last four or five seasons, and it's like maybe the most easy watching nonsense. Yeah, I used to think it like it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen at times. <laughs> so, anyways, I blinked and it was like you know one a.m. Oh, sure. And so, yeah, I slept in a little bit today. So you guys are actually like uh, you're listening to me become caffeinated in real time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in kind of the same boat. Yeah, I'm I'm dragging today. I I didn't uh, stay up late for any particular reason, but uh, I just did not sleep well last night. So I ended up kind of like finally when I did go to sleep, I got up quite late too. So we're we're both kind of in this weird half half awake foggy mode, which uh, might lend an interesting energy to the show. But uh, and then you're off uh, next. Uh, well, by the time this episode goes up, you are out of the country for for a while, and uh, so yeah, some of this might be a little old news, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything we're doing today is going to be especially timely. Like, yeah, this will, this episode will be recorded almost a week before it goes live. But I have a family vacation coming up, and uh, and so I'm going to be offline for uh, several days with uh, my wife and my father, uh, catching up on a, a family wedding that's uh, out of Canada. Yeah, other than that, not, a, not like a ton happening. Like I said, it was a triple recording week for us. Mm-hmm. Plenty going on at Hodinkee, working on a couple cool stories. Uh, the one thing I would give folks a heads up, Um, is that I'm going to be at Ice Race in Aspen. So FAT, formerly GP Ice Race, they're doing an Aspen version, Hmm. which runs February 8th to the 10th. Yeah. Um, I don't know what tickets cost or or that kind of thing, but if you happen to be around uh, and and see me, please do say hi. I don't think I'll be able to do, like I just got the itinerary, and I'm obviously there for Hodinkee, uh, so I don't know that I'll be able to do a hangout or like a get-together. Obviously, if it turns out that I have... Uh, entirely spare evening or a couple hours free. I will uh, organize that on the TGN Slack. So uh, keep a lookout for that if it if it's able to work out. But otherwise, if you see me, you know, go ahead and say hi. As long as I didn't just crash a car into some sort of a snowbank. <laughs> Are you driving case, as well? Just give me a, or, or, give me a minute. I'm hoping. Oh, I mean, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, nobody has told me much about it. I was given a, an itinerary. Uh, you know, when to get there, when to leave. Uh, I booked my flights in my hotel, so I'll, I'll be there. That's uh, February 8th to 10th in Aspen. Yeah. It's a very tight trip. I get in the morning of the 8th. I would leave the evening of the 10th. Sure, yeah. You know, I was in Aspen. The only time I was in Aspen was several years ago, and it was uh, with Richard Meal. They do the, or at the time, they were doing the snow polo stuff in Aspen. And uh, Ah, right, okay. And that's the that was actually the trip that Gashani came along, and we 
uh, hiked into that remote hut and I was wearing that <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, went full Rambo. Kind of survival watch, that crazy uh, kind of Rambo Richard Meal. And I, I, I enjoyed Aspen. I thought it was a, a lovely city, but I'm trying to think where is, is there a lake that freezes there that they're doing the ice race? I, I, I can't picture much water there. I don't know that they bother doing it on a lake. I think <laughs> it's probably on a compacted snow surface. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah. Like I've done two other winter driving courses, I guess, like multiple day courses. I did the Mercedes-Benz one. Those of you who've listened to the show for some time, uh, when I used to work specifically in the car and automotive sort of journalism world, I did the Mercedes-Benz amg performance driving ice tour i don't remember the specific name that was in gimli manitoba and that was on a frozen lake yeah on lake gimli and um and then i've also done the porsche winter driving experience which is a uh that was a one i think that was a one day yeah it was a one day event in uh like you know studded tire 911s Mm -hmm. and just outside of lemic antique in quebec in canada yeah yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've I've done a, a little bit of this sort of driving before, and I, I don't think you necessarily need the lake. I guess it's called ice race, so m- maybe it is. I actually don't. I haven't looked that that closely into into the event. Yeah. Um. I I don't know why, but in in the past years, like I used to kind of overly try and sort things out. But in this case, this isn't my event or even Hodinkee's event. Yeah. Um. So I, it, it'll be very much like a responsive sort of just follow along, take some photos, that sort of thing, see what's going on. So yeah. if, I, if I get a chance to run uh, left seat and, and you know, try and keep the car out of the snow wall, I will, but maybe it won't happen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that'll be Should fun. be fun, though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How's the training going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah, I'm upping my running mileage. And yesterday I went for a six-mile hike with, uh, you know, kind of rucking, I guess you'd call it. Uh, oh, some nice. dive weights and a backpack and went out in the woods and hiked around a bit. And... Um, yeah, that's going well. And, and, uh, you know, kind of fitting and rowing and swimming when I can, but you know, I, back in the late summer, <laughs> I tweaked my, my lower back just on one side. Um, embarrassingly enough, I was, I'd spent three days like fixing the wiring for the wipers on the, on the defender. And I was sitting in this awkward position for like three days straight and it kind of tweaked my lower mm-hmm. back. So I couldn't cure it. And I started, um, I, I finally sought out uh, a chiropractor and it's actually a friend of Gashani's and, uh, she runs a clinic in, in town here. And I started going to, to her and I, I, I was going weekly for a while and now it's kind of gotten to like every two or three weeks. And I had never been to a chiropractor before and I didn't really know what to expect. I, I just kind of pictured like a, a loud banging table and kind of a cracked neck and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like that scary stuff from Instagram. But you know what? It has been an absolute revelation. And I, I, you know, I don't, I can't speak for all chiropractors everywhere, but I highly endorse the kind of this therapy that I've been getting. And, and to the point now where it's, I'm kind of in maintenance mode, the, the pain is long gone and whatever, but like it's, it's become almost oh, a part of my kind of just self care. You know, it's like going for a massage. I go to the chiropractor for half an hour and and it's so much more than like just adjustments. She really mm-hmm. works with me on flexibility and, and kind of teaches me about, you know, stretches and connective tissues and, and it's really been eye opening. So, you know, I, again, like <laughs> I'm well into to middle age and, and I've discovered something brand new within the past several months that, that has really kind of changed my life for the better. And so, yeah, it's been, uh, if anyone's on the fence about chiropractic and, and if you can find a good one that comes with a good reputation. That's been kind of a good thing. I think, you know, it goes kind of hand in hand with, with 
you know, training as I'm kind of ramping up towards the summer and, and doing the fan dance, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm going to have to pay attention to, you know, kind of connective tissues and kind of staying injury free. And I think, uh, I think that's going to be a, a big part of it. So, yeah, other than that, I haven't been, haven't been doing much. I mean, <laughs> as you've said, we, we, this is our third record of the week. So, uh, there's not much that I can say that that's happened in the past, uh, what, two days or whatever it's been, but. Yeah, cool. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad the chiropractor is working out. That's it's always um uh, nice when like you hear somebody tries one of these things where like you don't necessarily know it could be chiropractic, it could be acupuncture, it could just be getting a massage. Like I'm always on the fence of like I think I would like a massage. Yeah. And then I just ne- I never go through the work of actually doing it. And you know I have a, a kind of long standing uh, borderline phobia of like the medical world in general. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, granted, I, I understand that that's not necessarily the same as a massage, <laughs> right. but I don't even want to necessarily like go in somewhere and answer a bunch of questions or be given a clipboard. That's usually enough for me to be like, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. fill, I don't want to fill in any paperwork. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the revelation for me was that, you know, when you go to see a doctor for a physical or any sort of ailment, there, there's very little, hands-on time that they, they, they actually do very little with your body and you know if, if you're not comfortable with that then that's a different mm-hmm. matter but it's 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 blood tests and then you know usually like a worksheet that tells you what you can do or go get physical therapy or take these pills and the thing about the chiropractor and this office has a massage therapist that i go to as well like every other time and it's it's great because i feel like i'm actually getting my body's getting the attention that that it kind of craves, you know, someone to kind of manipulate joints and work out knots and muscles and that sort of thing. So, um, I've really, really appreciated that. And it's kind of made me wonder about you know, what else I'm missing out on. Like, should I, should I talk to a nutritionist? Should I, you know, do Pilates or get a personal trainer or that sort of stuff? I think mm-hmm. I've always been hesitant to kind of spend money on, on some of these things, but, um, Self-care is uh, important when you're... Yeah, and I mean, the big plus with Pilates is obviously the complete lack of impact in a standard Pilates routine, but also you can just, you don't have to go anywhere to do it. Like my wife does Pilates every day just from home with her laptop. Mm -hmm. She like signed up for someone's course and you get a video every day and then you just follow along with it. Oh, yeah. I figure a dollar spent on a decent personal trainer pays huge dividends. Like it's just a, a nice investment. But I think mm-hmm. probably, and I'm sure we have personal trainers in the Slack. My guess is you already know your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have, a, I do wonder like how much necessarily a, 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 like a personal trainer, especially beyond like advice you might've gotten from a guy like Lurwell or, or similar. Yeah. And I've, I've really pulled a lot of um, good information from a number of you know trainers, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube or, or, you know, Sean Lurwell, kind of his Mm-hmm. kind of consulting. Um, and I think I don't necessarily feel the need to, to have an in-person trainer, but I, I do find that there's a lot of good resources out there. You turned me on to the row 20, uh, series yeah, of Austin. videos on, on rowing on YouTube. And I started following Austin, who's the guy that kind of hosts that. And, and he mm-hmm. goes beyond rowing. He does, you know, you know, weight training and flexibility stuff and whatever. And I, I follow him on Instagram and he always has good videos and we can put that in the show notes, but he goes by training tall because he's like six foot eight, but he's, he's got a really nice cheery friendly demeanor. It's not intimidating. And, uh, and he's been great yeah. too. So, and I, I don't know, I have a, you know, this is why like when I, when I tried, you know, I had originally had a, a like a, an exercise bike and attempted to get it like, a friend gave me a, like a code for a month free of Peloton. Oh yeah. 
and it like as I really like Austin because he's not always talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And there's no there's not like aggressive music. We're not essentially in a dance class that happens <laughs> when you're on a rowing machine. <laughs> right. And like I could not find. I spent a month. I probably did twenty sessions. Yeah. Fifteen to twenty sessions of the Peloton. I could not find one that kind of like matched my mental energy. It was all kind of like being in an annoying store. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or or whatever. And like, look, it, it definitely works for some people and they really enjoy it. But like whether it was I didn't really vibe with the, per, the the trainer's energy or their music choice or the combination therein. Sure. You know, when I was first getting into the biking stuff, we found that um, global cycling network. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where you can watch videos of people like, yeah. you know, riding over a pass. Yeah. I like that quite yeah. a bit. And there's still a guy talking and saying like, all right, you should increase your thing because we're going uphill. Sure. Like just offering... A, like more of a spin, like less of a spin class, more of like a bike exercise right, right. sort of scenario. So it's, it's, I think it's like a, a really difficult thing to find the, the like video YouTube or otherwise sort of workout that really works for your personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to do a ton of like YouTube yoga yeah. and that's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, Cause a lot of it's like very spiritual, which I'm, that's not what I'm looking for mm-hmm. from my, right from my uh, yoga workout and then but i you know i eventually found a guy who was just like he would go out in his backyard he lived somewhere pretty put a mat on the ground and walk you through what you were doing <laughs> was he the guy with the dog that ran around in the background <laughs> he was great yeah that's the exact one his name is sean vig so that's sean vig fitness uh v-i-g-u-e i'll put it in the show notes he's been kind of my long-standing favorite because there's almost no pretense he's just kind of a positive dude yeah who's very fit yeah and will just kind of do yoga wherever he is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like some of my favorite ones were like in his garage, some were in his backyard, somewhere he was like traveling and at a friend's house and in their backyard. Yeah. And it's like very it's not flashy and I don't I don't know why I have definitely got to this point with my there's probably a term for it or some um you know psychological study but like I am weirdly doubtful of very flashy videos now. Yeah. Like, like if they've spent, it's like, sometimes you're like, oh, you spent more time on the camera and everything else. And then you didn't have a plan for this workout or this cooking tutorial. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I feel like you just, the people who might really know what they're up to, just put a camera down right? and don't really sweat some of the details because that's not the, the outcome isn't, you know, the outcome from a workout video isn't how much you enjoyed the photography. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. At yeah. least in my mind. Yeah. But yeah, Sean Vig Fitness is, is great. Austin's incredible. I'm a big fan. And Row 20 is really nice because anytime now, since he has that program done, it's 20, each one is 20 minutes and he does, he's done 20. And now that the program is there and on his, on his YouTube, you can just go in and pick one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a couple that I really like depending on their pace and that sort of thing. And I'm not touching the rowing machine much these days. It's actually in its vertical position. <laughs> um, but I am lo- absolutely loving my treadmill. Ah, good. Uh, the only difficulty I'm finding, and maybe maybe some people in the audience can can you know align with me on this, but uh, I'm trying to stick to like zone two, so like moderate heart work heart rate workout, yeah, as much as possible, yeah. But I get bored and I want to run. Oh, sure. <laughs> and if I run, then we go right into zone three, and yeah. Sometimes into zone four, depending on how long. I, so I'm, I kind of go up and down where I'll walk, and it's you know I'm walking at a grade at three and a half miles an hour, so it's a pretty quick walk. Yeah, at some point, now we're getting some bitterly cold weather here, I think um, I might finally begrudgingly have to start going to the gym and using, um, I've never really used a Stairmaster, but, you know, given oh, given so the, good. the nature of the fan dance, I think uh, it might be some good good off-season training here to kind of 
even, you know, even throw a backpack on and you and use the Stairmaster at the gym, <laughs> despite all the strange looks I'll get. <laughs> you, will, you will be that guy at the gym. But, uh, you know, when obviously you train for Rainier, so it's not your first time, you know, planning to carry some stuff up a hill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with with Baker, it was, you know, I had access to a bunch of mountains around. Mm hmm. Vancouver so training was pretty straightforward yeah but definitely if you don't or if you're if if you're going right through winter like you're going to the Stairmaster is perfect yeah yeah Stairmaster with weight or a treadmill with weight and just try and avoid hurting your knees and and some of the stabilizers with the weight I think uh I think you can do you can do a ton and definitely get a lot sharper that's my that's my next phase I wanted to complete whatever it was 30 30 days of working out on with the with the treadmill and then i'm going to add a one of those weight vests like running oh, weight sure. vests. yeah yeah or um between that or just uh like one of those plates that you can put in the go ruck right right i'm not sure which makes more sense yeah i have to do a bit more research yeah slash ask the guys in the slack which is how i research stuff now <laughs> <laughs> it's a good resource <laughs> certainly stuff yeah. like this yeah. right yeah, it's great uh, speaking of slack uh, i put this up on on the subscriber slack group uh yesterday um, and I'll throw this out there to all of our listeners now. Uh, I've been late in the past couple episodes. I've been talking up some some NATO straps that I got from Cincy Strap Company, and um, it turns out we got a few fans among the, the TGN crowd, and and uh, the, the folks at Cincy Strap Company have have now offered a discount code to our listeners, uh, a twenty five percent discount, which is you know substantial uh, if you enter the code TGN. And this is not a, a limited time code. I'm not sure if it will expire or when it will. Um, so, you know, don't, don't wait too long, I suppose. But, uh, if you're in the market as we probably all are strangely for straps and they don't just sell NATO straps, they sell other stuff as well. But I'm, I'm a real fan of their Admiralty gray, uh, SF two straps, uh, as well as this, this woven cotton strap, which is strangely a, a, a lovely thing. I've got it. And when we get into wrist check, I've, I've got a watch on it today, but um, I, I highly recommend that one too. And, uh, word is that, that since he does, uh, have, you know, limited inventory sometimes. And so you might find that some other stuff sold out, but you just have to keep checking back. But yeah, thanks to since strap company for offering a, a, a really generous uh, discount to our listeners. So check it out. Yeah. Super nice and solid straps for sure. Yeah. And, and with that, let's, uh, let's jump into wrist check. What, what are you wearing? Yeah, actually, in honor of today's uh, main topic, which is kind of the kickoff of a series I've kind of had in my head for a while, or, or you know, one of these ones that we can come back to as we have uh, more ideas, uh, I decided to uh, dig out my watch box, my Pelican, and pull out my Black Monster. Uh, I was actually uh, fortunate enough to be included on a little bit of a, a sort of, not a group buy, but... So I don't know who if people want their name out there, so I'll hold off, and then I can fix it later if people want. But uh, some people through the Slack helped uh, connect me with a, a black, mo- a really tidy black monster on a bracelet oh, nice. um, a couple years ago. And I have worn it maybe 10 times. Yeah, It's something I'm very pleased to have. It didn't cost a ton of money. I really like these. They were one of my first Seikos yeah. and returning to it. Uh, I'm very happy with it. And uh, But I don't wear it very much. I've got it on the bracelet. It's a big chunk of a watch. And I don't actually necessarily know why I don't wear it a bit more. I put it on here <laughs> and it's just making me grin. I've got my UV flashlight. I keep charging the loom <laughs> and uh, and just kind of sitting here and enjoying it like a child. Yeah. But yeah, this one, it, it comes up in the topics later in the episode uh, as, uh, as I have a, a possible solution for uh, what might make me wear a monster a little bit more than I wear this one. So I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's, my, that's what's on my wrist today is the uh, Black Monster. It's a, a V1, an original, and uh, I, I like it quite a bit. 
such a uh, sort of weirdly iconic other people don't do it sort of design. How do those watches wear on straps? I always see them on bracelets. Uh, is that how you wear it on the bracelet? I've never seen one on a rubber strap. I don't it's think. On the br- I have it on the bracelet. Yeah. Do, do they even take a rubber um, strap? I've seen them on Z22s, okay. huh. uh, which is just like way, way too stiff, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and then back in the day, like, you know, if we go way, way back to the the early day, early days of my watch fascination. Yeah, I was probably buying like any big baseball sort of leather oh, sure. Panerai adjacent strap I could find for these sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, I think they're OK on a strap. I think they just it's so much kind of steel mm-hmm. around the dial mm-hmm. that it almost makes sense on the bracelet. Yeah, um, but I think with the right strap, I, it could be great. And and certainly, occasionally, you see them on NATO's, which is sort of a. Um, it looks very two piece, mm-hmm. like the case is very different than the strap in that in that scenario. Oh, but yeah. I don't think the, I don't think it would be bad on a NATO as much as um, you know. It, it all comes down to those the kind of strange little lug adapters that wrap around the the bezel. And how about you? What have you got on today? Yeah, I was wearing my CWC yesterday, and I had it on until this morning, and then I switched over to. Uh, my Omega, the, the Seamaster, the 2254, which turns out, you know, as I've said, I've, I've been wearing the FXD like 95% of the time. And it seems like whenever I reach for something else, it's it's often this watch. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've got it on, on this woven cotton NATO, which is just kind of a weird, fun, comfortable combination. It's the super light, kind of feathery, soft, very soft strap. And then this incredibly thin watch. And it's uh yeah it's kind of perfect so that's what i've got out it's great yeah yeah awesome watch beautiful aging well yeah one one of those like the tgn top 10s definitely uh a 2254 i still think a great buy they seem to only be getting a little bit cheaper i'm seeing i've occasionally see them around 1500 bucks now yeah and uh you know with it being an 1120 which is essentially just a, a mod, you know like a lightly modified edda should be serviceable yeah much more readily than an 8,000 or a 9,000 series, you know, in-house Omega movement. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, big fans. And the ergonomics are incredible. Really, really yeah. nice. You know, it's funny. You, d- you just said this is kind of one of our a TGN kind of top 10, and it makes me think we should – we should makes me think we should consider um, like a Hall of Fame episode. We, we do have a series of watches that kind of pop up. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. The, the TGN canon, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like, I, so I've, I've flirted with the idea of having like another page on the website that was kind of like, you know, like Oprah's book list or <laughs> yeah. book club or that sort of thing. Yeah. Like a, you know, a T, the TGN buy list, like something, if you can get it right. And the price is good. Yeah. We, we think this is a great watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that could be a fairly long list. We might have to pick something more like 10. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, 50 or 60 watches later, there's a lot of great watches these days yeah. to be fair. Well, speaking of watches and lists, uh, we've got a kind of a fun main topic for today. Yeah, I've been mulling on this topic for a little while because I feel like I, I most watch nerds I meet have a little note on their phone or, you know, whatever, like wherever they keep kind of lists and, and, and jotted down ideas of like watches that they're interested in, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, they haven't pulled the trigger. Yeah. And so that's basically what we're talking about today. It's called the watch list. We'll call it watch list one. I think this could be kind of cool. Like you remember back we did our, our watch discomfort zones and then each like eventually right. tried to conquer that discomfort, whether it was dress watches or chronographs. I think those were the two that we had picked. Yeah. Uh, I think in this case, it gives people sort of a fun thing where, you know, maybe we talk about it today and in a couple of years, maybe we end up with one of these mm-hmm. um, when the timing's right or, or when, you know, often I find that watches kind of find us in yeah. some ways. Yeah. 
you know, not always, but some ways, like with your Brightling and, and certainly mm-hmm. like with this Black Monster, I just managed to have mentioned that I was interested in one. And then lo and behold, someone pings me and says, hey, you know, I can we can make this happen. It's pretty easy. So yeah, uh, that kind of stuff can be fun. Uh, I figured, if, you know, just for simplicity and, and not burning our entire list, I have a fairly extensive list of watches that I'm always kind of curious about but haven't bought. Mm-hmm. But for this one, each of us will have three picks. Yeah. And if you'd like, Jason, why don't you kick it off with one of yours? Uh, what's a watch that you're interested in but haven't really gotten to, like, dusting off the credit card, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, I you know, when you suggested this topic, I thought, eh, I'm not really in watch buying mode. I don't really have a list. <laughs> and then you said, well, let's pick three. And, like, these three came to me in, like, 30 seconds. So clearly I do Perfect. have a list. Um, I do have a mental list. To this. So, um, yeah, the first one is. I think the list is longer when I'm not in buying mode. Because I spend more time in like reading or looking or, you know, watch recon alert mode. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, the, the these three um, that, that I've got for today are, are not ones that I've necessarily been researching to buy, but they're ones that whenever I see them, whenever I see someone post a photo of or I think of it and I read a story about it, I think I really like that watch. Why don't I have one of those? Like I, I, I could, you know, I'd love to have one. So, yeah, I'll kick mine off with um, one that is a bit of a darling at least in some some version of it uh, for both of us, and that is the the Zin U50, and specifically for me, it's the the SDR uh, on the on the bracelet. Nice, you know the U50. It's 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 kind of that sweet spot. It's 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 U1 aesthetics with those blocky, very modernist hands, high legibility, uh, tegument steel, um, typical high quality Zin, but then it's in that the more modified, more wearable size of 41 millimeters with uh, an 11 millimeter height. So just, just kind of a sweet spot of, I don't think I've actually I'm trying to think of actually seen one in person. Like I've actually been able to handle it or put it on, but every time I see them pop up and I'm, I've, I'm really kind of a, I really kind of have a, a, a thing for the the black bezel uh, on these Zins. I know that I think you're more of a fan of the steel bezel. And for some reason, I, I am the, yeah. the black uh, kind of against that, very matte, almost like not quite bead blast, but it's, it's just that matte toolish case mm-hmm. with that black bezel just has a certain menace to it. It just, it, it just looks just right to my eye yeah. with all those, uh, those flashes of red, you know, strangely enough, all the watches that I picked for today are all within a couple of hundred dollars of each other. This one goes for on watch buys 3,340. Yep. And I think, you know, this is a watch that I think I probably, it would be one of those superfluous picks that I would you know, either buy after a few whiskeys or if someone wanted to make a trade for something I have that I'm, I want to get rid of or whatever, but it is a bit redundant with the FXD. I think in some respects, I think it kind mm-hmm. of occupies the same modern high quality diver space. So yeah, um, probably not a near term purchase for mine, but it's definitely one I come back to and look at uh, a lot. And you had the, um, you did a great dive review of the U1S. <sighs> You want professional. Right? You want pro, which has the it had the SDR style crown and no date. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I that that watch still haunts me. I wish I had pulled the trigger on that. When, cool watch. When yeah, I had that. But then again, this is this is more more wearable. And I think as someone who doesn't mind big watches, I think still I think for for this formula for these these sins, I think the U fifty is the way to go. I don't think I'd go U one anymore. I used to have one, and I remember it being a big big heavy watch. So. Yeah, not small for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah not small. Uh, a yeah. large watch for sure. But I, I love the 50. Obviously, a big fan of the T-Series as well in that sizing. And yeah, between SDR and standard, I, I mean, it's it, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. I would prefer the the kind of more color-matched bezel. Uh, but mm-hmm. the I, I definitely can see that the SDR stuff is popular, and that's why they continue making it and all that kind of stuff, which is uh, pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my number one. What are you going to go with? Yeah, so, uh, you know, my three are largely stem from a cur- my current position in Watch Fascination, which is I feel like my home, my headquarters are like pretty much locked in around the Pelagos 39, the CWC, the, the Aqualand, stuff like that. Like I'm pretty well sorted when it comes to sort of core functional sort of dive watches, even stuff yeah. with a, some weirdness to them. Yeah. But I have a long standing, and we've talked about it on the show before, and I'll, I would even extend it into other analog digital watches of a similar ilk. Mm-hmm. The the love and fascination for the UDT Chronosport is so high, yeah, and remains. Yeah, I have I have an alert on eBay. I have an alert on Watch Recon. I pretty much try and see whatever's around. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, maybe it's a fear of the whole problem. The problem with like the movement is essentially non serviceable. Yeah. So there are some like realities of owning a watch that like if if you get a good one like with my aerospace if you get a good one you're good, but if it needs to be serviced it has to be serviced by someone who knows what they're doing so they don't just dis- you know disrupt the screens and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, a UDT Chronosport or because they're roughly similar prices and I think especially if you get one with a the dive style bezel pretty much as cool not quite as cool but pretty cool yeah the Breitling Pluton yeah yeah I think both are both are way up there for me i'm not a huge fan of the pluton with the um compass bezel only because like i'm not going to use it yeah i like the idea of the other bezel and and i prefer the udt because it feels like the most original take on that watch yeah that like special forces it's black we were just before we started recording and, and i'll include the link in the show notes but we were linking back and forth a couple examples of the UDT and we found one the one the single one that's currently fully available on um eBay is just like <laughs> drop dead gorgeous like perfect patina yeah a bunch of the steel case coming through the the sort of black PVD you know a bit of a tint to the loom and that sort of thing and then the thing when you get into the the Pluton side is you get a bunch like if you just you know look up Breitling Pluton on eBay, there's a Swedish Air Force model in there. <laughs> there are all sorts of kind of like more interesting ones that maybe you didn't always think about or remember. We even came across a Jupiter, which is like an earlier uh, Pluton formula, if you will. Um, it, it and it's an analog digital Breitling and with a gold case. There's one in there for about twenty three hundred bucks Canadian right now, which is pretty dang cool. Yeah, if I'm honest. Yeah. The, so the Jupiter could be added to the list as well. But there's something really that I really really rad about the the Pluton in general. And then I think it's it's taken a full step further in terms of like just raw sort of special forces oh, it's, adjacent it's, appeal with that udt yeah they they're so so good and and this one i'm staring at the photo now and we <laughs> we obsessed over it before we started recording it's it's the perfect patina and then of course they have it on a gray nato in the, in the wrist shot which which just brings it out even more and uh, there's so many elements of, of this watch that i love these little details like the, the super long sweep seconds hand with the like the red flag on i guess it's the the counterweight end of it that's like it's the full yep. width of the dial itself like almost yeah it's great 
and then the stepped dial. And then I like the, how thin the bezel is like the bezel insert. Like it just has so much going for it. It's they're just so cool. I, I had a, a Pluton years ago with the steel compass bezel. And I think that was the kicker for me. I just, it didn't stick because of that bezel choice, but other than that, it was, yeah. And it's, it's that same, uh, roughly the same case shape as, uh, as the CWCs that we love, you know, that I'm not sure if they were actually made by Monin or whatever, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really cool. I, I think, you know, you've, you and I have talked about these for so long. I think one of us needs, needs to kind of fully f- finally pull the trigger on it. Well, here, I've got something to share you. So check your, check your messages. All right. What about this weird one? We're doing this live. We'll keep this in the cut. <laughs> so I sent Jason a link for a bright link Pluton for DWP Diavoli Rossi, the Red Devils. It's oh, a my military. oh, my gosh. So yeah. it's jet black with a weird red insignia on the dial. The markers Ooh, that, are have yellowed out. That wild bezel, too. Pardon? Yeah, the that bezel looks bezel. insane. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, I can't quite tell. Well, definitely the crown is not steel as it's worn away and it looks to be some sort of a base brass of some sort. Yeah. This is the kind of watch that I think people probably buy to take the movement <laughs> for $500 is yeah. what it's currently selling for. Yeah. Uh, should oh, I just buy yeah. it? <laughs> oh, Let's man. See. An, an 80s Breitling Pluton for DWP military special edition watch to honor the partnership with six Italian Stormo Cazia. Huh. Uh, my apologies to the Italians in the audience. The sixth fighter wing, Diavoli Rossi, <laughs> reference eight. The Red Devils. So. 191. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Watch measures 42 millimeters with a crown, Breitling movement. Excellent condition. Was serviced in December 2023. Everything works without issues. And that's a third of the price yeah. of yeah. Uh, of one that just, just says Chronosport or Breitling on it. Yeah. Pretty tempting. Oh, man. That logo's kind of cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also looking... Um, uh, at uh, this one isn't uh, the PVD, so a little less appealing. But uh, friend, kind of a friend of mine, uh, Ali, who runs uh, Patina Nationale out of the UK, he has a a new Pluton 3100 as well with a dive bezel, and and he's a big fan of these as well. So his site is a good one to bookmark and keep an eye on. And the oh my yeah. goodness, look at that! It's so yeah, pretty. Yeah, <laughs> man, I like these so much. Yeah, I know, I know. Man, I I'm I'm going to include the link to um that red devils one in in the show notes but i can't promise one that it'll still be available and two if it sells that it's not me who bought it yeah yeah i'm really genuinely trying my best not to buy watches i'm i'm <laughs> i've sold five or six in the last couple of weeks yeah yeah anyways yeah so that that's my that's my first pick in the watch list i'm just i i love these I, the plutons i love the chrono sports like whatever it is they're rad uh this weird one might have to be mine uh <laughs> to be honest uh especially just that it's like fully functional working yeah case looks to be in largely good condition yeah 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 there's a bunch of that must be color cast it looks so gold in in the wear yeah the wear and tear yeah Ugh, yeah. come on, James. Yeah, yeah. Why do you do this? Anyways, I love these watches. They're always on my list, and uh, that's my first pick for the watch list, number one. You know, I think as we've talked about, I think we talked about it on the last Q&A when someone was talking about rationalizing a watch purchase, and and I think I mentioned that I know roughly if something is is a pretty sure bet if I've been thinking about it a lot for a long time, um, and it doesn't fade. It doesn't waver my my sort of enthusiasm for it, and I think... I think the Chronosport UDT, I think it's definitely, you've passed that test, you know, uh, we've been talking about them for a long time and, and you occasionally you and I share 
good examples with each other. So yeah, I think that's a that's a good one for you. I, I would say we I tried to ballpark the if you want a, a tidy UT, UDT, I think you can expect to spend let's call it in the neighborhood of two thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. And this is a five hundred dollar, yeah. fully functional, but it's a pluton. Yeah, but otherwise is very similar. Same movement, same sort of dial layout. Yeah, you get the black case, so it is very UDT ish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? By the end of this so, episode, we, might, so cool we might have it on the way. <laughs> PayPal sent. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, give me your second one, so we can. I can stop looking at this watch. <laughs> All right, my number two. Um, I'm sure I'll lose you here. You you won't be listening anymore. You'll be like, you know, checking your bank account. Um, yeah. Um, second one is, is, uh, it's not a big surprise. Again, this is a watch I've mentioned before, um, that I've been interested in. And frankly, if, if the FXD hadn't found its way onto my wrist, I, I might actually have pulled the trigger on one of these and it's the, the black Bay 54, which I think might surprise some people because it's, it's, it, and clearly, I mean, it's calling card or it's uh, kind of claim to fame is it's, it's small. I mean, this is a 37 millimeter dive watch. Um, but there's just something so appealing about this watch that, that, you know, I haven't really thought about a black Bay 58 or, or, you know, the black Bay 41 or anything. I just, uh, this watch, when I tried on Christoph's at our tutor event in Florida in September, um, I wore it for a dinner just kind of for fun. And I was just, I just kept looking at my wrist thinking like, this watch is so perfect, the size of it. And I think largely lately, you know, for someone who has always been partial to kind of vintage style or retro watches, um, lately I feel like maybe the FXD kind of cured me of that, but I've I've kind of moved away from that space. And so this one would be kind of going back to that very clearly, but I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a perfect little watch and, uh. So yeah, Black Bay 54, $3,900. So, you know, a few hundred bucks more than the, than the U50 that I mentioned, but, uh, yeah, I could, I could see myself, uh, moving with a Black Bay 54. Although again, it might be more of a long shot simply because it, it, it follows the roughly the same formula as a Submariner, which is something I own. You own. Yeah. 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 But, it, but it's one that I look at a lot. Um, especially, yeah. you know, I, in a final note, I, I mentioned that that guy, true patina, Greg, who had put the, the big crown on it and replaced the hands. And oh yeah. That sort of thing. I mean, I just think it's, it's an, it's a neat little watch. Um, you know, and I think they're great. Yeah. 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 I'm, and I'm like, I think we've said this on the past, uh, on past episodes, but I, I also think it'd be really interesting to see what they do in terms of other colors if they do others. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 58s had several versions, including like the core blue. Right. And I think it'd be interesting to see a 54, that was maybe a little bit less vintage in coloring, mm-hmm. like the gilt style coloring. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the watch itself, the proportions, the size, the fact that it's everything that a 58 or a 41 is just smaller. Yeah. It's like it, it's exactly what people beg every company to do, and they've done it. And right. it's what do you know? It's good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I would put it in my top three. I guess it might be number three mm-hmm. for, for Tudor right now. Yeah. Or, or like you know, the Mount Rushmore of their current catalog. I think, I think the one of the BBs, either the fifty-eight or the fifty-four, for me would would probably land a spot there. But there's something really sweet about the way it sits on your wrist, especially yeah. like weirdly, especially with the rubber. Oh, sure. I was yeah. just very impressed when I saw it and got to play around with it. I'll include my hands-on from watches and wonders last year uh, yeah. in the show notes. But this is a, a great pick, and in, in a different world, if I wasn't so just flat out appeased by the Pelagos 39, mm-hmm. 
uh, to the extent where like it's difficult to put on another dress watch or another dive watch. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. I love them. I think they make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they keep iterating on that format. And, yeah. Uh, and you know maybe offer another colorway in this year, maybe next. Right. Yeah. All right. What's your number two? All right. My number two is also one that I've talked about, I think, more recently on the show, but it is a constant watch list for me. And I've come <laughs> pretty close to buying three of them. They're not especially hard to find. I think you would expect to spend between $1,200 and $1,800. And that would be the Bulgari Diagano Quartz Chronograph. Yeah. So this is the one that is worn by Al Pacino in the movie Heat, which is my favorite movie. Uh, you can see it very clearly in the film. I'm I'm being... Uh, you know, uh, to the extent that I can be, you know, essentially influenced by Al Pacino to buy a watch, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is he is my version of a, of a of an effective watch ambassador <laughs> for a watch that Bulgari no longer makes. Yeah. But what I also like about this is it's so left field for me. It totally is. It's a chronograph. Yeah. It's quartz. It's um. It's you know, uh, uh, from Bulgari mm-hmm. is another one. Yeah. It has an entirely different style than I'm used to. And I think I like the idea of pushing my boundaries a little bit mm-hmm. while also being able to go like, this is the watch from Heat, though, <laughs> <laughs> which I like quite a bit. Yeah. Um, both the, well, I, I like the movie more than quite a bit. I love the, that the watch was from that movie as well. But yeah. Um, and then I also like that the, the quartz doesn't have bulgari on the dial which kind of makes it an, it's the uh, CH35S mm-hmm. and it doesn't have Bulgari on the dial, which I think kind of increases my interest. Yeah. Because it says Bulgari at least twice on the bezel mm-hmm. in, in the right price point. I think it would be one that I would like impulse buy. There's always one or two for sale out of Japan on eBay of, you know, for around a thousand dollars, maybe a little bit more USD. Yeah. And I, I bet you I've spent, I've, I've had my mouse cursor hovering over that buy button. <laughs> That's as close as I got, but I, I've hovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I'm currently doing with uh, <laughs> with that DPW uh, <laughs> Pluton. Well, I, I, I hate to disappoint, but, you know, as I, I'm such a strong endorser of the, the UDT chron, uh, Chronosport. But I, I just, I, this is a watch, this Bulgari is just... I don't see the appeal of it. I mean, personally, it's just sure. I, I think it would be a wild left field purchase for you. And I'm I, given your passion for it. And the fact that you've looked at it for a long time, I think it's, it would be a good choice. Um, and I'd love to sure. see you wearing this. I'd just love to see anybody wearing one of these. Um, definitely not my aesthetic at all. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a wild thing. I mean, it's, uh, it, it <laughs> I'm not sure. I think once you own it, you would, it would be, it would be yours forever because I think it feels like a watch that would be very hard to sell again. Um, I think so. It's a very yeah. specific taste. Um, but Hey, you know, and it's 35 millimeters. So, you know, Sarah could probably wear it if, if she liked it. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Sarah, Sarah's go-to sports watch is larger than any of mine. Yeah. She wears a 41 <laughs> mil black right, bay. Right. Right. Uh, with, it's that and a pant there, which is a real, yeah. Yeah. Real uh, plus minus there yeah. in terms of, you know, probably like 20, 20 millimeters. Yeah. But, uh, no strap choices yeah. with this, right? Uh, it's bracelet or nothing, right? Bracelet or there's a rubber. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Sorry, there's bracelet, rubber, and leather. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, like, and it's not the bracelet that he's wearing in, in heat. Oh, okay. But he is wearing about 40 other bracelets next to the watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this yeah. is all part of my plan to, yeah. to figure out a way to social engineer slash what's it called where like you you <laughs> write down your intent and put it out into the world and then it happens that, yeah. that 
thing I don't believe in, yeah. the secret or whatever. I yeah. secret it. Secret my way into the um <laughs> uh the premiere of Heat 2. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be wearing basically oh, this like uh, an oversized suit jacket, you know, like like De Niro and I want to have this watch on. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Yeah, I need I need I need to get to that as well. Yeah. I need I need to be part of that. I need to be there. So we'll see. Well, and if you wear this, you'll have to start doing episodes in the Pacino gravelly voice. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Yeah, just a lot of shouting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keeps me sharp. And uh, and yeah, I I just uh, yeah, I feel like I need I need to really make a concerted effort now that Heat Two is is moving into production to yeah. become yeah like the number one Heat influencer. Yeah, right in the world. <laughs> uh, and part of that, I think, you, I I need to move into that realm of the weirdo that buys yeah, yeah. you know the same things as the movie, or maybe maybe I could get some props or yeah yeah, but yeah, so. That's uh, that's my second pick. So uh, two weird chronographs. That is a uh, so far. Yeah. Both of them I'm in love with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the Bulgari Diagano CH thirty five S quartz chronograph, just like in the movie. Heat. Yeah, <laughs> nice. All right, give me your third one, and uh, we can close out the list. Yeah, you had uh, you had a, a left field one with the Bulgari. I feel, and and this this is my kind of oddball one that people might wouldn't expect, um, and it's the the fears uh archival 1930 so for those that don't know fears is a, a british brand um, kind of an older brand name um, from the early 20th century that was revived by <clears throat> a descendant of the original founder of the company uh, his name is nicholas and he was at wind up in chicago recently super mm-hmm. nice guy the watches yeah. feel good he's fun to talk to he really has a respect for the history of the brand and although most of his watches do not resonate with me. Um, this archival 1930 is, is there's just something so simple and beautiful about it. I mean, this is straight up like art deco era dress watch. Like it's rectangular. It's small. It's on what looks mm-hmm. like a, like a Horween strap, like kind of a blood red or ox blood strap, beautiful dial, like totally not my style, totally not a watch that anyone would imagine me wearing. And frankly, if I owned it, I probably wouldn't wear it much. Um, just because I know myself, I don't wear dress watches, but every time I see this, this is one of those watches that when I see photos of it, I like scheme and almost try to justify, like I would wear that, wouldn't I, you know? Um, and I probably wouldn't, but I think you could probably wear this. I think I probably could. And and I did try one on at wind up and, and just love it. And what's neat about it too, is this archival 1930. Well, for one thing, it's a limited edition. They only made 136 and apparently they're sold out on the fears website, but I know that our friends at collective, uh, our, our fears, uh, retailers as well. And they, you know, I'm sure I could find one source one if I was really desperate to, to get one of these. But, uh, what's neat about them is that, that this very limited series uses, um, old movements there. It's a manual wind at a 2360. So it's, a it's not a, a movement from 1930, of course, but it's, uh, it's, it's a vintage movement that they've had refurbished and they put in this watch and and it's just it's a neat piece it's sort of you know in the same vein as a some kind of a, a cartier tank or a reverso or something like that mm-hmm. but there's just something about the, you know the little word england on the dial that kind of creamy color yeah yeah these are these are neat. I also kind of get like vintage ap and vacheron from mm-hmm. this yeah yeah uh you know just it's it has such it's such a crisp sort of uh look and feel you know only 136 made yeah yeah, uh, I, I could see you know you with the right sweater, maybe a pipe. Yeah, yeah. this is the pipe watch. Yeah, true. Manual wine, or the crown, or the few times a year where you're exactly. you're you know going somewhere a little bit fancier yeah. than yeah. 
you know, a lighthouse or whatever it is you do with your free time. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's a lighthouse or a brewery. <clears throat> yeah, I exactly. Most of the time, yeah. and I, I feel you for yeah, both, right, for sure. Right. But and again, as um, as with the other two, this one comes in right around thirty five hundred. So uh, I guess all three of mine are kind of in that that space. I guess that must be my kind of price bracket for for my comfort level. But yeah. Yeah, these are these are great, and uh, Fears is another brand just worth worth watching. Even if this isn't to your liking, mm-hmm. they make a lot of other watches and styles. Uh, but that that one that you've highlighted in the archival nineteen thirty is definitely a favorite of mine from them as yeah. well. Yeah, good pick. Yeah. All right, you have one more. What's it going to be? I've got one more, which I uh, kind of teased out earlier in the show, and that would be an orange monster. So the 781 SKX uh, is the orange version of the Series 1 Monster. I'm wearing the black one on my wrist. And I've, I guess as long, kind of as long as I've been into these watches, so we're talking 20, 2005, 2006, something like that, I've wanted an orange one and just never bothered to pull the trigger. Yeah. And, uh, and even when I bought this black one, I wasn't sure which one I had, which... Um, skew that i had provided uh to the folks making the connection there and i ended up getting the black one which i'm perfectly fine with in in that deal but uh yeah i I think an orange monster would be a lot of fun you know i I, we were people were teasing me and i was teasing back on um on the slack recently about you, you know someone had posted a uh you know like the the perpetual diver the smaller one with the quartz the high accuracy quartz movement in orange and it doesn't yeah. have Oh, yeah. mismatched yeah. coloring for the hands and markers there it's but then the bezel <laughs> is gilt yeah and i was like hey, we got to start that bezel though <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and somebody moments later posted an orange monster which is you know just orange and, and the markers and i was like hey, you know what i think i might still need an orange monster which is so much to say that if if you want to get in on the game of this episode to some extent and Maybe maybe you could get in by buying this uh, Diavoli Rossi Pluton, so I don't have to. <laughs> but something tells me it's going to be sold by the time this episode goes live. Uh, but if you've got an orange monster and you're interested in a tidy black monster, drop me a line. Mm. I might be up for a trade. Yeah, I, I I can keep the bracelet from this one. I can make it easy, whatever works. But I wouldn't mind trading the black, which I've now experienced twice, for an orange one uh, that might get a little bit more wear, especially throughout the summer. I kind of miss my mm-hmm. my Doxa Pro. Mm-hmm. It went to a good home, and I'm happy, uh, uh, you know, with its new owner and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, an orange watch could be fun um, in, in in the forecast, especially if it ended up just being a bit of a trade. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we talked about the monster at the top with your your black one, and and the orange is what I always associate with this watch. So the black one is strangely more appealing to me, just because it's not the kind of the what comes to mind when I think of a monster. But the orange is definitely the kind of the iconic one of this bunch, and I think. Uh, I know several people that have these. I think uh, I think it's Chris Soul's go-to dive watch. I think he, yeah. he's told me he wears he wears it for every dive he's he's done. I think ever since he started diving, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and um, Chris was part of the crew that connected me with this. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, through yeah. some other good guys. Yeah. yeah, and this one's a low barrier to entry. I mean, you know, you, the pricing you have listed here is like four hundred, eight hundred dollars. So, and especially if you can make a trade, I mean, this is this isn't something that you need a lot of vacillating on. I, I, I think you know if you found the right one. I'm sure you could make it happen. You know, the, you know, the world where the monster was $170 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I think I might actually be saying $170 Canadian, which is probably what I paid for my first one. Yeah. Uh, that's over. And the series one, the original ones have become a little bit more collectible. And yeah. then if we start talking about like the rare stuff, 
Yeah. Uh, and you can see some of it in the first episode. You can, like you can see some of the more wild limited edition versions yeah. in the first episode of Watches in the Wild, which I'll put in the show notes with uh, that was hosted by Cole and he met like a, you know, a super collector. Uh, which is super fun, and I, I don't need to get into the yellows or some of the rare stuff. I just I, I thought the orange would be fun to try. Yeah. And granted, trading a watch doesn't actually change how many watches I have, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I think an orange one could be super fun for whatever. It, it feels weird for me. Like once I had this watch, once the the second one came in, the one I'm wearing now, yeah. it felt a little bit like oh, I've restored a little bit of my the foundation. Oh yeah. Like yeah. just having this in my in my watch box kind of makes it's like a reminder of right where I started with dive watches. Yeah, I think, you know, again, going back to stuff we've talked about before, I think there's a point where if, if you've looked at something long enough, it's probably the right thing. But on the other hand, there are watches that, as I've said, I can look at and admire from afar without having to own. And I think the Black Bay 54 oh. is probably that watch. The, sure. the U50 is one that it goes a little beyond that, like to the point where. You know, in a moment of weakness, I could see myself making that happen. The fears is probably a bit more of a long shot, just given that I probably wouldn't wear it much. And it's a bit outside the price of something that's impulsive and wouldn't get worn much. But uh, yeah, I mean, this, this, is a, this is a fun theme. I think I'd like to revisit this uh, in the future because I know there are more. And as we were talking, I'm already thinking about other watches. So um, definitely this was a this was a fun exercise. Good episode. Yeah, no, I had I had a good time with it as well. And uh well, let's be clear. I am going through the process of buying that. <laughs> ah, good, good. <laughs> there we go. Just Live updating my air. address. You yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me fill this in. All right. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Congratulations. Here we there go. You go. So the the watch list uh, ended up being a little expensive. Oh man, this is going to become a new thing on the episodes. Live purchases. Five hundred bucks later, but uh, you know that feels Fantastic. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool watch. I guess that means I'll sell something else. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess yeah. if you're in the market for a black monster and you don't want to trade, let me know because I've, <laughs> I've got a hole to fill or a spot in the stable that's now double booked, however yeah. you want to consider it. Yeah. I'm not sure what's in your coffee this morning, but, uh, you know, I, I might need some of that. Maybe I'll just buy the U50. Yeah, I'm having a good time. <laughs> Apparently, maybe maybe not enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've, only right. Had, I've only had my, my two espressos. I need two more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to get into some final notes before I buy another watch? <laughs> yeah, let's get out of this episode without... Uh, draining our bank accounts here. Okay. Well, yeah, mine's a quick one. Uh, and it's probably not news to, to most people listening. Uh, Rebecca Struthers, the, the watchmaker from Birmingham, England, um, really phenomenal talent. Um, she and her husband, Craig run Struthers watch company. And, uh, she wrote this book, uh, within the past year, I would say called hands of time, a watchmaker's history. And I had the book actually, the, the, the hardcover version of it here at home, um, for, for probably, close to a year now. And I finally just got around to reading it. I finished it a couple of nights ago. And, you know, for those of you that maybe are familiar with the title, just because it's popped up on various watch blogs and things, uh, but haven't decided whether you're going to read it, I highly recommend it. It's really, really a good, a good read. There's a, a good mix of kind of horological history, um, interwoven with some kind of personal anecdotes and history of her own history and watchmaking and kind of an, a unique take on the concept of time throughout history and how it was tracked and how people viewed it. Um, and then kind of the evolution of timekeeping and of clocks and then into pocket watches and then into wrist watches and then her own work in, in watch restoration. And, uh, she's a really compelling writer. There's some kind of really sort of, uh, 
personal stuff in there that that lends a, a warmth to the book. So it's not just kind of a dry history. And uh, I, I just can't recommend it highly enough. I think uh, uh, Rebecca would actually be a great guest on the show. I think some at some point uh, if we could get her on. But uh, really a, a wonderful book. And, and I highly endorse uh, Hands of Time, A Watchmaker's History by Rebecca Struthers. So check it out. And actually, um, I might have, yeah, it was on a final note a while back that I think I had posted uh, there was the BBC had done some excerpts with somebody reading a few excerpts from chapters that was quite good. But I do uh, remember that, yeah. But the book itself, the full book, is uh, is really worthwhile. So check it out. That's excellent. Good, uh, good suggestion. And I, man, I would kill to have uh, Rebecca on the show. That'd be fascinating. Uh, I don't know her. I, I don't believe yeah. that we've ever met. Uh, but so talented. Yeah. And this is a. Uh, Yet another book I guess I've got to add to the stack and maybe get to sometime this year. But yeah. that sounds great. Yeah. All right. All right. So I've got uh, two uh, for mine today, but we're going to close one of them as a song uh, and we'll close on that. Uh, but if you want to click that link and listen to it while I ramble about a cool little thing from Night Eyes, feel free. Yeah. Uh, in my further efforts, we're now 268 episodes in, uh, in the further efforts of eventually becoming the main promotional wing of one of my favorite companies, Night Eyes. Uh, I've bought so much of their stuff over the years, and I, I'm a huge fan. of. We've talked about their S-Beaners and the Cam Jams and the rest of it. Uh, but a little while ago, as they often get me, I was in checkout at, uh, at a, a store. I don't actually remember what the store was. Maybe Canadian Tire or similar. Uh, could have been a Home Depot. And I came across this thing called the Doohickey Plus. And it's spelled D-O-O-H-I-C, like Doohickey, like a, a thing, an object or whatever. But then K-E-Y is like capitalized. So it's a key ring mounted like little multi-tool. And I for six and a half dollars, this thing's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that is cool. You should buy 20 and just <laughs> give them out every time you like meet someone or come across a kid. It hasn't, it's never been taken away. I, I wanted to use it several times through TSA. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been taken away. It has a Phillips screwdriver, a carabiner clip to, you know, click it onto stuff. Um, it has three different sizes of like a little wrench. Mm-hmm. So if you if you need to turn like a oh, small sure. bolt, yeah, has a bottle opener, a serrated edge that makes really short work out of uh, boxes. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in those scenarios, like if I'm traveling and I don't, I can't travel with a knife, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then it has a, a sort of flathead screwdriver, a ruler, and then a, a sort of pinched prying edge that has a nail puller in it as wow. well. I don't know how yeah. much you're really going to pull nails with this, but. You could probably get one out of a wall or something like that uh, yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, uh, I, I just absolutely love this. And I was trying to think of like what I could throw in today that was a little bit more actionable than check out this cool song, right. which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really, really like this. And then we see things like this pop up in the in the Slack as well. The, these sort of like pry bar tools. Yeah. And a lot of those are more expensive. You know, um, Giant Mouse makes an incredible one that I really like. And if you have the money for the premium option, obviously go with the Giant Mouse. But this has a few more kind of features and is a little bit more, I mean, I don't want to be unfair to Night Eyes, but at $6.50, it's a little bit more disposable. Yeah, like yeah. If, if I'm going through security and someone decides to make a problem out of it, I'm not going to feel bad. If I lose the the sort of pry bar tool from giant mouse, I'm going to be pretty bummed. So it typically stays home with me. Right. Um, and, and I, I, like I said, I like it a lot, but for these where they can, if I need to have them taken away, if I want to just, if I just on a whim decide to give it to somebody six fifty, who cares? That's yeah. what a coffee costs in a major city. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the idea I really of, of like something this, this affordable that you do buy several of and oh. 
yeah, yeah. give to a young, like a teenager or, or, you know, a relative or someone you don't see regularly. It's, it's a thoughtful, truly useful tool. And, and I have that giant mouse tool as well. And, and they do come in handy, like these, these weird little uses yeah. for it. And, you know, typically around here, it's, it's mundane stuff like cutting open an Amazon box or, you know, pulling a staple out of something or whatever and opening some non-alcoholic drink that you're trying because <laughs> you can't get your fix. Yeah. Right. It's January. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the move in my mind, the move is to buy at least two, mm-hmm. put the other one in your wallet or whatever. And then when you use this in front of somebody and they go like, Oh, that's amazing. And you give it to you. Them. Go, oh, yeah. I got an extra. Yeah. I love that. And you just made their day. Yep. That would make my day. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. Right. Yep. Especially if it was like a kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, a, a niece, a nephew, son, daughter, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the doohickey plus key tool from Night Eyes. Big love for Night Eyes. They have no clue. Uh, like I don't have any relationship with them at all. I'm just a massive, massive fan of their <laughs> of the. It feels like it must be such a fun company to work for. Yeah. But yeah, big fan there. And uh, and for my second, which I'll close the show on it. It's actually a new song from Wolfpack. Uh, it's called Letting Things Go, and it features uh, guest vocals by a woman named Evangeline, who you might know. Uh, from several other popular songs that she's done, uh, I don't know how much we have to say for this to be considered commentary, so that we don't you don't get in trouble for playing the audio. Uh, but Jason, did you get a chance to to preview a little bit of that? I did, and I, I wished it was longer. It's a two and a half minute song, but uh, just a lovely voice, and it's just it's so like stripped back and simple, and and just like really pleasant, super minimal, yeah. still a little bit funky, but really fun and soft. And yeah. I've just. I found myself going back to it since it came out. Like I listened to it once and I go like, oh, it's a new Wolf song. I'm going to like, I'm going to enjoy it. I like probably 95% of what they do. Yeah. And then I just keep kind of like, oh, I, I, that little, that little bop mm-hmm. in the, it's it like gets stuck in your mind. And then I, I just keep kind of replaying it. So yeah. um, I'll, we'll leave you uh, with our quote, of course, but uh, the closing audio is going to be a little different. The, today, music throughout uh, will not be Siesta by Jazz or via the Free Music <laughs> Archive, but it was uh, through the intro I guess before we get to the song, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you'd want to subscribe to the show notes, get into the comments for each episode, or even consider supporting the show directly and maybe even grab yourself a new TGN signed NATO, please visit thegraynato.com. And we leave you with this quote from Seneca, who said, It is not the man who has little, but he who desires more that is poor. Those are great words, and here's a solid song from Wolfpack and Evangeline, letting things go. Got so hung up on something you said, I should have guessed you wouldn't mess with mine. You got up and I stayed in bed, I was about to say something, said nothing instead. Getting good at letting things go, but just some, but